When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, welcome to First Move. Great to be with you. And TGIF, we're winding down after a very busy week here on First Move. Hot inflation data giving investors a confidence knock. Musk's master plan, meanwhile, disappointing some of the Tesla flock. Under 18s have a one hour time limit on TikTok. And Chinese data shows the economy there starting to rock. And Chinese investors ending the week in style with the Hang Seng up more than half a percent. It's up almost 3% across the week. Chinese services data posting the fastest pace of growth in six months. And this follows solid manufacturing numbers earlier in the week too. The Shanghai Composite has gained over 7.5% this year. The South Korean Kospi doing even better, as you can see there, up 8.5% as investors hope to profit from a robust Chinese rebound. And our Richard Quest is in Seoul and we'll bring you his interview with the South Korean Prime Minister in just a moment's time. Topics discussed include hopes for post-lockdown economies, recovery and the need for better leadership on the global stage. South Asia, of course, the setting for the meeting of G20 finance ministers in New Delhi. Foreign ministers, excuse me, sharp divisions apparent over Ukraine, with China insisting that the G20 ignore security issues and focus elsewhere. And meanwhile, grim news from the town of Bakhmut in eastern Ukraine. Heavy fighting continues. Control of the city now hanging in the balance. And that is where we begin today's show. The head of Russia's Wagner Group says his troops have Bakhmut, quote, surrounded. And he's calling on the Ukrainian president to withdraw his troops. But Ukraine still insisting it's holding its ground. Russia, in the meantime, has also damaged a key bridge used to supply the city. A local official telling CNN they hope to repair the bridge soon. Alex Markart joins us live now from eastern Ukraine. Alex, what do we know in more detail about the situation there? Well, Julia, things are looking rather grim for Ukrainian forces in and around the city of Bakhmut. We know that there are some four to 5,000 civilians who are still in the city. We were actually going with a team uh, that meant to evacuate some of them earlier today. And then that mission was called off because of what happened at that bridge. There is only one main supply route that Ukrainian forces are able to use in and out of Bakhmut. We were there just yesterday. We saw Ukrainian forces bombing up and down that road in armored vehicles going to and from the front. That road now broken off because of this bombing uh, of the bridge. It has been severed. We understand from a soldier uh, who is inside Bakhmut that that bridge was hit by uh, a large missile. That means it is going to be very difficult uh, for Ukrainians to resupply, uh, for them to evacuate civilians, for them to uh, pull back if they if they need to. That order to withdraw certainly has not been given, uh, at least for now. But it does mean things are going to be much harder for Ukrainian forces. 
If they want to get to the front or come back from it, they're going to have to use dirt roads or, or cross open fields. That is very difficult. Uh, it is very perilous. It, it certainly exposes them significantly. We did hear from the head of uh, the Wagner forces, Evgeny Prigozhin, who says that uh, Ukrainian forces are surrounded on three sides. That does line up with, with what we understand. He said he called on President Zelensky to withdraw his forces uh, to save his men's lives. That, that in a day or two's time that those men will be surrounded. Uh, Ukrainian forces certainly standing their ground. They are putting up a very strong fight. Uh, no sense right now that they are withdrawing. I spoke with troops in a nearby town just yesterday saying they need to keep fighting for Bakhmut. They need to hold Bakhmut because otherwise that next town where we were, Chazivyar, that would be the next target for Russians. They would have a deeper foothold in eastern Ukraine. Julia. Alex Markov. Thank you so much for that report. Well, Ukraine also dominated a contentious G20 foreign ministers meeting in New Delhi at one astonishing event. An audience laughed at Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov after he said Ukraine started the war. Watch this. You know, uh, the war uh, which uh, we are trying to stop and which was launched against us using Ukraine, <laughs> Ukrainian people, uh, of course, it influenced 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 uh, the uh, policy of russia ultimately the summit produced no joint communique after beijing and moscow objected to language on the war in ukraine mark stewart joins us now on this market i think back over the last weeks um, two weeks of diplomacy really and the vague hope perhaps that china could play some role in, in resolving finding peace in this conflict since then we've had open accusations of fears that that china will supply russia with weapons we've had the united states providing further arms to taiwan it, it sort of feels like the tension level between the united states and china has um, sort of never been higher how do you um, how do you read the situation today indeed julia let's just focus specifically on china for a moment if we look at the past week, we have seen China certainly try to portray itself as this objective, neutral peace broker in all of this. Yet at the same time, it's been very selective as to how and when it's showing its support, especially toward this conflict in Ukraine. Today, we heard a statement to the effect of China doesn't want to do anything to add fuel to fire, perhaps viewed as implied criticism to the West. As you mentioned, China is not supporting this foreign minister's statement uh, by the G20. In fact, today it made a point of saying that the G20 should focus more on security issues, or rather uh, diplomatic issues, I should say. No, not so much security issues. Go back to its original focus. Take a listen to some remarks we heard uh, earlier today from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Beijing. We have also noticed that G20 members have different views on the Ukraine crisis. We hope that the G20 members will respect each other's concerns and send the signal of solidarity and cooperation instead of division and mutual accusation. So kind of a broad statement we're hearing from Beijing, although earlier today we did hear from China's foreign minister. He said that China will support programs that could perhaps lead to peace but they must be conducive in the Chinese government's eyes, Julia. Mm. I mean, it's an important point, isn't it? I think everyone in the room, for the most part, would like to focus more on big global issues like food security, for example. But unfortunately, the war in Ukraine is exacerbating those issues and we can't get away from it.
Mark, thank you for that. Mark Stewart there from Tokyo. Okay, we're jetting off to another G20 nation now, and that's South Korea, Asia's fourth largest economy that's home to familiar global brands like Samsung, LG and Hyundai. It also plays a delicate balancing role in the complex geopolitics between East and West, as we were just discussing. Just imagine neighboring North Korea continues its nuclear threat amid rising tensions between the United States and China over the war in Ukraine. And now, of course, arms sales to Taiwan. All this complicating South Korea's relations with Beijing. Well, our Richard Quest sat down with the South Korean Prime Minister for an interview, and he said China has changed. China is not the country it used to be uh, when they started uh, the market opening and liberalizations in the economic policies. Uh, China is a huge and important global player, but maybe sometimes China is not compliant with that kind of you know, uh, expectations a lot of countries would like to have about China. For example, we hope that China will be more aggressive and more active in reducing the tensions on the Korean Peninsula. Let's go to North Korea in our discussion. The President Trump years <clears throat> were, perhaps with hindsight, a little bizarre. So now, how would you describe the relationship with North Korea? The attempts by President Trump was rather new approach to North Korea, top-down, I should say. And of course, we hope that it might work, but it didn't so well. So last year, with a new administration coming into power, we put a lot of emphasis on building our deterrence capabilities in the right way. But we are not closing the dialogue channels uh, for North Korea. How would you describe the current level of dialogue such as it may not exist? Korea and our closest ally, United States, their policies have never changed at all. Is North Korea who should change. And we already made public and made an announcement on a new policy initiative. That means as long as North Korea is abstaining from their very you know, strong and ambitious uh, nuclear ambitions, that's okay for United States and for Korea to open our dialogue. But up to now, uh, it's uh, quite a pity that North Korea ha has not responded uh, in a quite uh, you know, desirable way. You're being, as one would expect, very diplomatic in this regard. Things, and I mean, they're not staying the same, they're getting worse. So in that regard, can you see a scenario where you would either want your own nuclear capability, or you would want the United States to restation nuclear capability here. The survey in Korea definitely showed that we should rearm ourselves. I mean, we should, in nuclear capability terms, we should go farther. I don't think it's the right way for us to do. We should work together with the international community, including our close ally, United States, and possibly with 
with, with Japan and other uh, countries in the world so that we will put a lot of continuous pressure on North Korea to denuclearize. And we'd like to let North Korea know that developing and advancing nuclear capabilities will not guarantee the peace and prosperity in their country and also on the Korean Peninsula and globally. You know, I was thinking, just as we were discussing North Korea and nuclear weapons, the events in Ukraine where Putin is not even tactfully talking about nuclear and tactical nuclear weapons. So now I ask, will you consider sending lethal weapons or lethal materials to Ukraine? Uh, none now, I think. But we are quite supportive of Ukraine. And this year, we decided that we will increase our support in the amount of 130 million US dollars. And uh, we are trying to support them in terms of electricity generation capabilities and so on. But whether we will go into some lethal weapon support, uh, we are not yet decided on that issue. Fascinating conversation. Now, the sentencing hearing will begin in just a few minutes' time for the disgraced South Carolina lawyer Alex Murdoch, convicted of killing his wife and son. Here he is, listening to that verdict. Guilty verdict, signed by the four lady, 3-2-23. Murdoch now faces life in prison. We will bring the sentencing to you live when it happens. Okay, in the meantime, coming up here on First Move after the break. Richard's next dynamite interview from Seoul, the chairman of HYBE, the company behind K-pop sensation BTS, coming up next. In case you didn't know, where have you been? That's a snippet from K-pop band's BTS hit song, Dynamite. South Korea, of course, is the birthplace of K-pop. And Richard Quest had an exclusive interview with the head of HYBE, the entertainment giant behind the record-breaking band. Take a listen. This place is called Forum. You know, the Roman place yeah. to yeah, yeah. debate or discuss. So when I, when I made this this building interior yeah i want my people to discuss or debate or hang out very naturally in their work lives and sometimes we have a town hall meeting i mean the all hands on meeting once in a month so so if this is meant to be the roman yeah right. forum yeah that means there is debate Right. There is questioning. Yeah, right. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, usually hanging out and yeah, just are a you, are you small group meeting. No way, no way. <laughs> no way. I, I'm, I'm a fan of, big fan of democracy. I'm not a Caesar at all. <laughs> How good are you at the work-life balance? Oh, 
I don't like that concept, work-life balance. Actually, I always say work-life harmony. 저는 사실 삶하고 이 워크랑 라이프 밸런스라고 얘기하면 마치 노동이 삶의 적같이 느껴지는 게 너무 싫어서 사실 워크라이프 밸런스란 말을 잘 쓰지 않거든요. You've been unbelievably successful. But there's also criticism. The demands on the artists. Mm -hmm. It's too stressful. Mm -hmm. They can't cope. You've created a factory. You're mm -hmm. nodding. You've heard it all before. But isn't it true? You're putting these kids under tremendous pressure. 글쎄요. 이렇게 말씀드려야 될것 같아요. 이런 얘기들이 완전히 얼반 레전드는 아니다. 분명히 그렇게 얘기할 요소들이 과거에 있었던 건 사실이고 다만 그 얘기들이 그럼 완전히 정당하냐라고 했을 때그 질문들을 웨스턴 팝으로 돌렸을 때 크게 달라지는 게 뭔지를 잘 모르겠어요. 웨스턴 아티스트 중에 스트레스 프런 라이프를 살지 않는 분이 있나요? 오히려 대부분의 파국이 한국 아티스트보다 훨씬 세게 오잖아요. 드러그 문제라든지 알코올 남용이라든지 그럼 그분들은 스트레스 프러지 않은가에 대해서 묻고 싶고 그 다음에 자율성의 문제가 과거의 케이팝에서는 분명히 그런 부분들이 있었다고 생각을 해요. 그렇지만 시대가 변했고 지금의 케이팝 컴퍼니들은 사실 아티스트의 자율성을 침범하지 않으려고 최선을 다하고 있기 때문에 How do you keep K-pop growing internationally and so that it doesn't just all fall apart. K-pop은 사실 그 핫함에 비해서는 시장 점유율이 그렇게 높지가 않습니다. 현실적으로. 글로벌로 봤을 때 생각보다 아주 높은 점유율을 갖지 않고 있고요. 오히려 굉장히 시장 점유율이 높은 높게 성장하고 있는 건 라틴 뮤직하고 에프로비트가 오히려 굉장히 크게 성장하고 있고요. K-pop의 점유율은 굉장히 낮기 때문에 우선은 익스포저를 늘리는 게 되게 중요하고 그거를 할수 있도록 제가 지금 미국의 여러 가지 레이블들을 인수하고 매니지먼트 컴퍼니들을 인수하면서 인프라를 구축하고 있는 거거든요. Do you worry that it's just going to fizzle out? You know, I think of the 1970s and 80s there was this company uh, this these producers Stott Aitken Waterman you know, with all the bands, Rick Astley and all of those things, that it all just fizzled out and something else came along. 그게 지금 제가 제일 우려하는 겁니다. 실질적으로 저희 수출 지표라든지 스트리밍 성장률을 보고 있으면 사실 성장률에서의 둔화라는 거는 좀 되게 명확히 보입니다. 이게 BTS의 군입대로 인한 일시적 현상이면 다행인데 저는 사실 일시적 현상인가에 대한 우려가 있고요. 사실 말씀 주신 것처럼 장르로서 일시적 선, 성장 둔화가 있고 이대로 놔뒀을 때 매우 위험할 수 있다고 생각하고 그런 관점에서도 사실은 SM 인수에 대해서 적극적으로 뛰어든 게 있어요. 이거보다는 더 확실하게 글로벌리 글로벌 마켓에서 인지가 올라가야 되고. Obviously from the day from day one, you knew that BTS and military service was going to come along. Yeah. Did you, do you look upon the military service as an advantage? It really grounds them in being Korean. It makes them a national institution. Or do you regard it as a, as a relative nuisance that has to be done and let's get back when they've finished? From the career standpoint, any artist does not have a long career. 한국인으로서 군의, 군대의 의무를 성실하게 다하고 그것을 기쁘게 받아들이는 것과는 전혀 별개의 문제 같아요. 그렇지만 사실 
저나 BTS 멤버들이 군 입대에 대해서 얘기하기 시작한 건 이미 2018년 초반부터였고 상당히 긴 시간을 준비해왔고 최근에도 그것에 대한 논의를 하고 있기 때문에 커리어의 전환점으로 삼자라는 얘기는 굉장히 오래전부터 준비가 되어 있습니다. 사실 굉장히 긴 시간을 터프하게 달려왔기 때문에 그들에게 휴식기간이 필요한 것도 맞고 그 다음에 영원히 지금의 BTS로 남아있을 수 없고 아티스트의 성장에 따라서 음악적인 변화, 여러 가지 변화들이 필요한데 How do you see your role as um, to the artists? BTS obviously is your biggest, but are you a father figure, a big brother, a mentor? Are you a producer? Are you a best friend? Are you all the above? BTS 분들한테는 말씀하신 모든 거에 해당하는 것 같아요. 뭐 그들이 인터뷰를 보고 아니 저 형이 왜 거짓말하지라고는 안할것 같습니다. 근데 이제 사실 다른 아티스트 분들은 레이블의 독립성을 제가 굉장히 강하게 인정하고 있기 때문에 저랑 접점이 그렇게 많지 않고 그들에게는 그들의 형이자 멘토이자 에이전트 대표들이 있기 때문에 그, 그분들하고의 대화들을 거의 많이 하고 일부 경우는 저를 아마 프로듀서라고 생각하는 분도 있을 거고 일부는 회, 뭘 하는지는 모르겠지만 높은 사람, 체어맨 이렇게 생각하는 분도 있을 텐데 네. 일부는 아예 뭘, 뭘 하시는지 모르는 분도 있더라고요. 만나봤더니 이제 정말로 제가 무슨 일을 하는 사람인지 모르는 사람도 있더라고요. Really? Yeah. I think they all secretly say what does the chairman think? No way. They don't. Some, some of them doesn't have any interest in me. <laughs> and I'm happy about that. So when you decide K-pop and you decide old age pension pop, um, just think of me. I mean, I can dance, I can sing, I can... I'm available for the right fee. ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
freaking phone down, Elon. Just stop. I mean, this is very similar to what we had with the past president, obviously. You can't be tweeting reckless things. It's going to get you in trouble. It's <laughs> one of my one of my best memories. Put that phone down, Paul. I I said in a video that I recorded for you, I'm lost for words. Um, we adore you. You're amazing on TV. How does how does today feel? Sort of bittersweet. It is bittersweet, but I'm I'm looking forward to uh, what's next. Uh, after yes. seeing uh, Richard's interview there, I might have to look for the. Uh, the old age uh, Spotify, um, you know, pension, uh, you know, channel. But, <laughs> I wonder uh, what you were going to say there. <laughs> uh, but Can no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, what's next. Obviously going to continue to follow business news and, uh, and the markets in some capacity. But I need some time to take a bit of a break, focus on my family and all of that. Yes, and you more than deserve that. I have to say, and it sort of showed a little bit in our conversations there. Generally, whenever you and I get together, um, the pun king and queen, in my mind, um, the show generally goes rogue. And I always get told that I have to sort of wrap it up <laughs> generally at the end of the show. And, and we pull together a few of those moments, too, because I think they're worth um, seeing as well, Paul, because we're never short of conversation. You and we I. are a producer's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, we, we truly are. Watch this. Well, I have to say, I didn't think it was possible for your backdrop to get more exciting, but you have excelled yourself today. I was sort of half listening to you and half just admiring what was, go what was going on behind you. Are those awards yours? Uh, those are fantasy football trophies. One is my wife, but the rest are mine. Yes. Wow. Go your wife. I love that. Paul and Monica, thank you so much. I'm being told to shut up. We shall reconvene on that, my friend. Paul and Monica, we've run out of time. I'm being told off. Yes, I've been told to shut up, as always. Paula Monica, thank you for that. Yeah, you're right, that's, that's true. Yeah, in which case I'll just shut up. <laughs> At least in the last one I told myself to shut up. <laughs> versus, versus you. Happy times, Paul. Thank you very much, Julia. I appreciate it. It's always been a pleasure being on this show. I will continue to watch it from home. I wish you and everyone else at CNNI all the success that you deserve. This is a fantastic program and it's nice to see CNN and I have this commitment to business news with you and Richard and Zane and so many of the other phenomenal hosts that I've had the pleasure to be with and talk to over the past two decades. Oh, Paul, you make me cry. I have to say you're a good omen as well. You know, I looked at the Dow performance for your career at, at CNN and um, you're clearly a positive omen. Up 200%, I believe, plus. Look at that. I mean, that's an easy job. That's all you got to say. It's all about staying in the market, not panicking. <laughs> that's that's really, really what yeah. any smart investor should be doing. Don't follow the fads. Just stick to your knitting. And uh, if you're in it for the long haul, you should hopefully be fine, regardless of what craziness may befall all of us in the global markets and economy. Great advice to finish on. And then, Paul, guess what I'm being told? Rap. <laughs> Shut up. Um, adore you. Big hugs. And you'll be back. Always a Thank you so much. Show. We adore you. Thank you. Paula Monica there.
Welcome back to First Move. As I mentioned earlier, we're expecting to hear the sentencing of Alex Murdoch at any moment now. Murdoch was found guilty of murdering his wife and son on the evening of June the 7th, 2021. And the horrific South Carolina case has captivated people across the United States. Dan Gallagher has the details of this extraordinary case in this report. Guilty, verdict, verdict, guilty, verdict, guilty, verdict, guilty. Alec Murdoch, a scion from a prominent local family of lawyers and solicitors, found guilty of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul after just three hours of jury deliberations. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter how much money you have or people think you have. It doesn't matter what you think, how prominent you are. If you do wrong, if you break the law, if you murder, then justice will be done in South Carolina. The jury was seen with their heads down, never looking in Murdoch's direction as the verdict was read. The prominent former attorney's only living son, Buster, was present in the courtroom while the guilty verdict was read, appearing at times to wipe tears from his eyes. After the guilty verdict came down, the judge denied a motion from the defense asking for a mistrial and to set aside the verdict. The evidence of guilt is overwhelming and uh, I deny the motion. The prosecution has indicated they will be seeking a life sentence without the possibility of parole, sparing him the death penalty. The case wrapped up earlier Thursday with the defense's closing arguments, attempting one last time to poke holes in the state's case. Their theory is that he slaughtered his wife and son to distract from an impending financial investigation. But he puts himself in the middle of a murder investigation and he puts himself in the spotlight of a media firestorm. And further slamming the investigation. We believe that we've shown conclusively that SLED failed miserably in investigating this case. The jury was unswayed by this defense, favoring the prosecution's argument that Murdoch was the only one with the motive, means and opportunity to kill his wife and son. He did it. Nobody else could have done it. Nobody else did do it. Over the roughly six-week trial, the prosecution presented its case featuring testimony from 61 witnesses with phone forensics and extensive evidence of Murdoch's financial misdeeds. Our criminal justice system worked tonight. It gave a voice to Maggie and Paul Murdoch. And we'll take you to that sentencing the moment it begins. Now, it could be described as chemical or biological warfare aimed at terrorizing a wide section of the population. Hundreds of schoolgirls have been poisoned across Iran over the past few months. A member of Iran's parliament told the country's semi-official news agency that nearly 900 students have been poisoned, almost all of them at girls' schools. Well, now the United States is calling for accountability, and CNN has tracked down some of those who fell sick. Nemel Bagir has the story. Desperation and chaos gripping Iranian cities for months. Terrified parents watch helplessly as their children fall prey to mysterious ailments. CNN communicated with witnesses and survivors of some of these incidents at mostly girls' schools across the country. It was a terrible situation. Girls had been falling on the floor and were crying. Some were unable to walk. We really didn't want to leave one another. They wouldn't let us go home. 
they forced us to stay inside. There was a bitter smell. There was a smell outside too. Then I felt sick. Many of the students who spoke to CNN reported smelling noxious odors. This, as Iranian authorities' explanation, has been shifting. But state media is now referring to the incidents as poisonings. Some parents worry these are targeted attacks on girls, meant to prevent them from attending school. Many of the attacks have been in the religious heartland of Iran. Yet the Minister of Education has said that most of the cases were caused by rumor and there is no problem. The reported poisonings began a month and a half after protests erupted across Iran, led by women demonstrating against the country's repressive conduct and clothing laws. CNN cross-referenced local media reporting with testimony from victims and eyewitnesses to tally the number of incidents. State media have reported incidents at nearly 60 schools since late November. CNN has spoken with eyewitnesses in dozens of these cases. In one school in the regime heartland of Qom, at least three incidents were reported to CNN, the latest this week. And incidents continued to be reported into this week in the towns of Asfahan and Ardabil, where medical sources tell us a student was admitted to the ICU, suffering seizures after the latest incident. One of dozens who have been hospitalized. Another family joining the hundreds desperate for answers. Na'mal Bagher, CNN, London. And so to come here on First Move, calls for fundamental change in farming in North Korea as fears of a food crisis grow. All the details next. Welcome back to First Move. And any moment now, a judge will sentence Alex Murdoch, now a convicted murderer, after a jury found him guilty of killing his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. He's facing the possibility of life without parole. We will bring you that sentencing live when it happens. In the meantime, to Greece now, 57 people are now confirmed dead after the head of the train collision earlier this week. Crews keep sifting through the wreckage near the city of Larissa, and then the anger is building. The Greek Federation of Rail Workers announced a 24-hour strike, saying government's disrespect for their industry caused the crash. The Federation says requests for more staff, better training and modern security systems have been, quote, thrown to the bin. But the government blames the disaster on human error and arrested a station manager. An audio recording of him speaking to one of the train drivers was released on Thursday this week. CNN's Nada Bashir has all the details. Wrangled metal, charred debris, the remnants of a disaster that could have been avoided. And now... This. Proceed through red traffic light. Exit until traffic light entry of Neon Poron. Vasilis, am I good to go? Go, go. Done. Have a good night. Have a good trip. An audio recording of the station master in Larissa. Okay, I'm going to interrupt this report and hand you over to my colleagues Jim and Erica for the sentencing of Alex Murdoch. Past six weeks, uh, but it is overwhelming. And it shows this man to be a cunning manipulator, a man who placed himself above all others, including his family, uh, a man who violated the trust of so many, including his friends, his family.
We all do things our own way, and since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.